The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. Now, here's health and wellness specialist Leah Brenda Smith. Hello, welcome. I am Leah Brenda Smith, your ever grateful host, and this is Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Today we're talking about writing practice. Writing practice for expressing pleasure, for expressing pain. It's, again, another big topic that we're trying to tackle here, but certainly um, I'm going to present some different ideas to you and different options for types of writing practice for you, some that can lead to actually writing pieces and others that maybe are more useful just for their therapeutic value. But, you know, through the increasing use of social media and emails and texts, newsletters, blogs, tweets, news, views, Facebook, and news, Life has become a banquet for the written word. And throughout the day, people are expressing those one-liners based on a thought that they may feel the need to wrestle to the ground. There is power in the written word, power beyond what the reader may glean from the message. There's power in the movement and formation of the words as they flow out of the writer. And today we're going to explore some different approaches to help you get started or to keep you going with your own writing practice. I was blessed with a very gentle and, and inspiring teacher from my great 10 creative writing course. Mr. McGregor was the first best thing that happened to me in my experience as a writer. His guidance helped me to open into the vast world of expressing and introduced me to some approaches to writing practice that I continue with to this day. I understood at a very young age that everything written in books is based in some way on the writer's experience. And this instilled in me confidence and knowing that my experiences are as valid as anything that I would ever read in a book. You are the only one that can give yourself the authority to write and to value and validate what you write and who you are as a writer. I just want to share with you a little excerpt from one of my writing practices that I did in March of 1992. I love to write. It is at the same time private and revealing. The innocent wonder of life forms itself at the end of the pencil. 
Feelings difficult to access, to express, show their face on the naked page. Writing is a lifeline back to the self, filled with freedom, honesty, and uninterrupted intelligence. Fancy words coming out simply to express a complex attitude. Simple words coming out. Simply words coming out. Sometimes I have to dare myself to write the stories that are really rambling within. Days can pass until I find that required courage to easily express things that live in hidden and confused corners. Time lapses and important things never disappear. They just rearrange themselves and the order shifts. Difficult issues are reshuffled and the pencil is taken up with all that it's, that's willing to be known. Lately, I've been afraid in my writing, afraid that the solutions that I seek won't find their way to the pencil's edge and empty words will fill a page that I had saved for heartfelt truth. I trust that writing will reveal the truth. I need that truth. I believe that truth that is revealed. But that's just a little example of a writing practice that I did. And in this piece in particular, the writing was about writing and my thoughts and feelings in that moment about my own writing practice. And I encourage you to know that writing practice can take you anywhere and you never know where it will take you. I certainly had no forethought of any of those things that I had uh, written. I just picked up my pencil and started to write. Recording our experiences through writing is a powerful outlet for pleasure and for pain. The privacy of your relationship with the written word well, it can provide an intimate space to express thoughts and feelings that may be too painful or they may be too personal to share with others. Through my own healing and through my writing practice, I came to understand that sometimes, sometimes grace comes to us through writing. And sometimes grace comes so that we can share the gift with others. And sometimes grace comes as an intimate gift for ourselves. Writing can also provide us with a place to let our imagination run wild and write with great contentment and receive great satisfaction from the experience of writing. Now I'm just going to give you some uh, simple, I guess, kind of like dictionary definitions of different types of writing styles or some different approaches. So stream of consciousness is a narrative technique that gives the impression of a mind at work, jumping from one observation, sensation, or reflection to the next. And these varied elements are usually expressed in a flow of words without conventional transitions. Stream of consciousness is certainly one of my uh, more preferred, one of my favorite approaches to writing. Poetry is a literary works written in verse, in particular verse. The writing is usually of a high quality and it expresses great beauty, emotional sincerity or intensity, and it usually has some kind of profound insight.
prose is ordinary speech or writing without metrical structure. It most closely resembles the ordinary language people use in speaking and writing. And free verse is a form of poetry that refrains from consistent meter patterns, rhyme, or any type of musical pattern. And then there's the short stories. And these are a work of prose. It could be fiction or nonfiction. It's shorter than a novel. It can be as short as a few pages or as long as a few chapters or longer. Those are just a few different types of common writing styles. And here's a couple of uh, different approaches to writing. Um, you may have heard of automatic writing, and this can be used as a way to encourage a response from your higher self to a question maybe that you have. And some would suggest that automatic writing is a channeling technique to let your higher self or another entity use your hand to share the information that it may have for you. Other people are involved with something that's called angel loggings. It's just another form of writing. And you're encouraged really to enter a deep state of meditation as the first step to the process. You go into deep meditation, and when you feel ready, then you have an earnest focus on welcoming, welcoming messages from an angelic presence. And then always remembering to give thanks for whatever it is that you receive. And a spiritual autobiography is writing stories about your life, experiences from the perspective of your spiritual journey. So through a writing practice, we can chronicle our daily life, or we can empty our mind of random ramblings, or we can free ourselves from taunt emotional states, or we can focus on specific writing projects. One of the authors that I have uh, read some of her books and um, followed some of her techniques in writing practice is Natalie Goldberg, and um, in particular in uh, one of her books called The Wild Mind, not The Wild Mind, just Wild Mind, Wild Mind. <laughs> in uh, that book, Natalie suggests a list of rules for writing practice. And, you know, I've tried these approaches and they really do work. And it doesn't matter what kind of writing you're doing, whether it's a diary or a journal or for healing, for pleasure, or even if you write professionally, these suggestions um, that Natalie has in her book really do work. So the first suggestion is that you just keep your hand moving. The writing hand is the creator and the other hand is the editor, if you like. So when we bring the two hands together, that interweaving of their fingers, then what we have and what happens is we write. The bottom line is to keep your hand moving. If you say you'll write for 10 minutes or for an hour, stay with the process and keep your hand moving. Or the editor in the other hand will interrupt you right from your first sentence. That editor will always find some reasonable idea of all that's wrong with your first sentence. So don't give that editor a chance to interrupt you before you even get started. Just keep your hand moving. Just keep writing. The second suggestion is to let yourself lose control. Say what you want to say. Let the expression flow through you with no concern of being correct or being polite or pleasing anyone in particular with what it is you're writing. When we just let go and let the writing happen, 
He'll always write your most authentic pieces. Lose control. Just let go. The third suggestion is don't think. Excuse me, that's the fourth suggestion. The third suggestion is to be specific. Natalie is suggesting that it's in the details and the description in the writing. That's what makes it interesting. Not merely using interesting words, but rather using labels for things to describe what you're seeing and describe what you're feeling. So be specific. It's in the details. And then number four is don't think. Too often we are second and third guessing ourselves. What you want to do is move deeper into the self to find the first thought, the original feelings, and record those rather than just the layered effect of thought upon thought. The original thoughts are the clearest and the purest expressions that live close to the bone, so to speak. These original thoughts are what will draw the reader into your writing. And regular writing practice will help you make contact with their, those first thoughts. Just practice and forget everything else. Number five is don't worry about the punctuation or the grammar or the style or any of those things, because all of that can be tweaked after the fact. The important thing is to just keep writing. Number six is you are free. You are free to write the worst junk in your city, in the world, in the cosmos. You're just free. Just write. Just let it all come out and write it out of you. And then number seven, her suggestion is to go for the jugular. If something uncomfortable comes up, write it out, or you'll end up spending all of your time trying to write around how you're really feeling. And your writing will be abstract as you continue to try and avoid your nervousness about what is really there that is waiting for you to give it a voice, give it a voice through your words. Hemingway said that he said, write hard and write clear about what hurts. Don't try to avoid it. It has all the energy. Don't worry, no one ever died of it. You might cry or laugh, but not die. I like that quote from Hemingway. Write hard and write clear about what hurts. There's the value in it. Now, when you learn writing practice well, it becomes a solid foundation for every other kind of writing. Sometimes people want to know, is there a time, you know, should we take time out from writing to think about what we want to say? But clearly, it's much more effective to figure out what you want to say by the act of writing itself. It's important to just keep your hand moving. Find the first thoughts. Otherwise, it's so easy to get lost in daydreaming or overthinking or being critical of what you're writing 
or overthinking what it is that you're writing about. It's important to get to know your own rhythm. Who are you as a writer? What are your rhythms and your flows? What can you count on yourself to do? And be sure to support yourself in that process. If you can look up from time to time for a few moments and get a bigger picture, a bigger view of what it is you're doing, that's great. But if you know that giving yourself those few moments will likely ensure that you'll wander away from the task, then just stay with it and keep your hand moving as much as possible. It's so, it's so beneficial to get comfortable with the basic form of writing practice before you veer off into your own style. Trust the basics. They're there for a reason. And they're the foundation of all other forms of writing. So no matter how much you progress as a writer, stay with the fundamentals. It will make you stable. And then Natalie has an exercise that she's suggesting that we do. Starting off by writing for 10 minutes. And start with, I remember. Just put that statement, I remember and then just keep going. And if you draw a blank or you don't know what to write next, then again, write the statement, I remember. Keep going, keep going for 10 minutes and then stop. And she suggests that you walk away from your writing area for a few moments and then come back and settle in and write for another 10 minutes. And this time, start with the phrase, I don't remember, and then just keep going. This practice can help you to get the thoughts and the feelings that are more hidden inside and not close to the accessible surface of your, of your mind, of your recollection. You may find that things you have told yourself not to remember may rise to the surface. So this is a really good way of accessing difficult moments that you may have experienced. You could also start a writing practice with some other phrases. You could, as an example, begin with the statement, I am thinking of. Again, if you draw a blank as you're writing, put the statement again, I am thinking of, or I am not thinking of. You could try, I know, or I don't know. I feel, I don't feel. The list of possibilities is really endless and feel free to just go with whatever statements come into your own mind of things that you'd like to put at the top of your page. So these are good writing warm-up exercise, helping to expand the mind into positive spaces, I remember, negative spaces, I don't remember, the known, I know, the unknown, I don't know, the conscious, I feel, the unconscious, I don't feel. It allows us to go into those places within ourselves. For some people, these exercises may be all that you want out of a writing practice. And as some people have no intention or don't have a feeling of being a writer or being drawn to pursue writing more than that. 
they're really drawn for the therapeutic value that's inherent in expressing yourself through the written form. So these exercises can create a foundation for you and help you create the confidence in knowing that you can sit down any time and write out whatever it is that you need to express. Imagine that you could sit down anytime and write out of you whatever it is that you need to express. Writing practice can be that time that you need to just be alone with your thoughts. In, and in that way, you can download whatever's on your mind and then put your book away and keep going. Or you could also use writing practice to reflect on things that you write about and then move into a deeper dialogue with yourself, which can provide you with guidance about how you're feeling and how you may want to proceed with situations, with relationships, or even with the direction of your life. There is an exercise from a person named Raymond Carver. He's an author of short stories and poems. And he wrote about his experience of writing a collection of essays and stories and poems in the book Fires. And in this he said, here is an approach for writing a story. Come up with a line that you really like, something that feels great in your body, and write it, write it there on the page. Then add the next line as you would if you were writing a poem. And just simply build the story one line at a time, like laying bricks in a foundation of a house. There's no need to think about the bricks that will come later, one brick at a time, one line at a time, let the structure of the story unfold one sentence at a time and be sure that each line is true. So that's a really wonderful, I love that suggestion of a way to build the story, thinking of it one line at a time, like how you write a poem and let it build on itself. And then here's another suggestion a subject or a story or a situation that's difficult for you to speak about and start writing about it. Write slowly and evenly so you don't skip over any part of the story. You want to stay with the experience. It might take you several days or weeks or even a month just to stay with it especially if it is a very difficult thing for you to speak about and write about, but stay with it. Try writing something every day with it and give yourself some time before you write each day to do the things that will help you drop into that deeper place within yourself. As that's the place where you want to write the story from, so really what we want to do with writing practice, if we use the example of a framework from previous shows, we spoke about the beta, sort of beta brain or the beta thinking. 
And when we do writing practice, that's really what we're looking for as we may begin our writing practice in the beta brain wave. And as we drop deeper into it, we'll move more into the alpha and then into the theta brain waves as we're writing and making deeper contact within ourselves. So that's the place that you want to do your writing from and the place to write your story from. Then there's another author, his name is Joel Saltzman, and he wrote a book, If You Can Talk, You Can Write. And one of his suggestions here for a guided free writing exercise would be for you to just pick a word. Pick any word at all, it doesn't matter, whatever it is, and just start writing about it. Now you don't need to think of it as uh, as writing per se. You could just think of it as if you're jotting words or ideas down on the paper. Taking whatever comes into your head and just dumping it out on the paper until you find something that is really interesting to you. Something might pop up. And then go with that theme and just start writing. So you can pick any word. I mean, it could be house, it could be tree, it could be movement, it could be snow, it could be anything. And just start writing about it. Emptying your mind of whatever thoughts come in. And then when you find something that really grabs your interest, then you can use that as a theme and start writing. Graham Greene, another author said that writing is a form of therapy. And sometimes I wonder how all of those that do not write, compose, or paint can manage to escape the madness, melancholia, the panic, and fear, which is inherent in the human situation. I think that what he's really describing is really a common theme, and, and perhaps we've heard other quotes or other stories of uh, writers or musicians or painters saying similar things that without that outlet, without that craft or the art or the opportunity to write or compose or to paint, that they would feel a kind of madness of how else can we balance out the human condition or that our creative pursuits can be a way to kind of fill the dichotomy of things that we see in the world that somehow just don't make much sense to us. And along that theme of writing as a form of therapy, there, were, uh, there was a study done at the University of Miami by a professor of psychology, Dr. Edward J. Murray. And he suggests that writing about emotional experiences seems to produce as much therapy, as much therapeutic benefit as sessions with a psychotherapist. So it seems that the science of psychology has caught up with what writers have always known, and that is when you write, writing makes you feel better. Allen Ginsberg referred to the imagination as the escape hatch. And Anne Sexton began writing poems at the suggestion of her psychiatrist. Novelist Amy Tan tried psychotherapy and her psychiatrist fell asleep on her. 
I felt so boring, said Tan. But I decided that instead of seeing him, I would start writing fiction. So like therapy, writing helps you to organize your thoughts and your feelings, which can give order and structure to seemingly chaotic events. Fiction, because it shapes reality, can take those events and give them purpose and meaning that may not actually be there, that the events may not actually have. So instead of taking yourself to the psychoanalyst, instead of the talking cure of the psychoanalyst, perhaps some of you might want to choose to take up talking on paper and see where that leaves you. For some of you, a writing practice may lead to becoming a best-selling novelist like Amy Tan or winning a Pulitzer Prize like Anne Sexton or simply cultivating a writing practice for the pure pleasure and enjoyment of writing. Having a writing practice is a fantastic way to spice up your life. And it's also a fantastic way for you to have those times where you can naturally just go into the inner world of your own self and write the things that are there that are important to you, that give meaning to your life. Joe Saltzman in his book, If You Can Talk, You Can Write, he also suggested this other kind of an exercise. It's called getting the cops off your back. And he's suggesting that as we begin to write, we should try to take this exercise and do this. Take a piece of paper and write the name of everyone in your head that's in the way of you being able to just sit down and write. Anyone who's ever said anything to you about writing that was not supportive or not encouraging or made you feel like you should let the idea of writing or being a writer out of your head completely. Anyone who's there with you that's in the way of your writing, put their name on a list. Make that list. Go back as far into your childhood as you need to to gather all of those people that for you have felt like they were not encouraging or supportive. Then take the list, fold it up into an envelope, and tuck it away somewhere in another room. Greta Garbo used to say, tell them I want to be alone. Let the distracting voices of others know that you want to be left alone to write. Now for some people, Writing can be one of the most fulfilling things that you do. Filling your life with tremendous purpose and meaning and joy. It's important to note that if you are driven to write and you don't write, you may feel drained and unsatisfied and not able to really connect to things in the way that you would really like to. If you're drawn to write, if you're driven to write, 
than right. And as Natalie Goldberg says, just keep your hand moving. Here's another exercise that uh, Joel suggests in his book, If You Can Talk, You Can Write. He says, don't just talk about it, write about it. Writers write about the same things that they talk about. And you can try this practice of recalling conversations that you had with people and write about what it is that you talked about. Make a list starting with the last week. Last week, I talked to my friends about, put that at the top of the page, and then you can just fill in the blank. Make your list as comprehensive as you can and be sure to include the ordinary things in life because it's often the run of the middle things like daily chores or going to the gym or not going to the gym or making dinner, watching TV, these ordinary things in life. Make your list and then go through your list and pick something that grabs your interest. As an example, watching TV can in it can turn into a story about you and your siblings coming home from school and watching your favorite TV show, which can then take you down the track of writing about the pleasant memories from childhood and adventures with your siblings. So you see, in making your list, be sure to include those ordinary things in life that we all do and that we all talk about and they can be great, great inspiration for great writing projects. Well, there's another uh, writer, author, Julia Cameron, and she's author of a book called The Artist Way, which is really a spiritual path to higher creativity. And perhaps on another show, I can take you through the whole process that she uh, takes people through in that book because it's really a way of recovering your creativity and recovering your artist self, hence the book The Artist's Way. But for purposes of today's show, what I have done is just extracted the first part of her book, which is the morning pages. She says really that there are two potent tools for creative recovery. One is morning pages and the other is an artist date. So uh, in the artist date, really what she suggests is that you pick a time every week and go take yourself on an artist date. Do something that is a way of celebrating and honoring your own artist self. And that could be anything. I mean, um, people go and make a date to go write somewhere uh, people go to look at things that are inspiring. It can be anything, but it's about carving out a time for yourself to go on your artist date. But for purposes of right now, as I said, what we're going to talk about is morning pages. And they're a way of finding and retrieving our creativity. Essentially, morning pages are three pages of long hand stream of consciousness writing, right? The stream of consciousness writing is the kind where you just pick up your pencil and just start writing and write down anything that comes into your mind and no need to be concerned about structure and it's just jumping from one thing to another. That's the stream of consciousness writing. 
And she suggests that we sit every morning and just write whatever it is that comes into your mind. And here's a little example. Here I am again. What should I wear today? What should I write? I hope I'm not late again. I really didn't like the pattern of the rug in the hall. I felt dizzy looking at it. Then I had to walk on it as well. I don't know what to write about, but I do love to write. I need to pick up some more tea. Oh, what am I going to do this evening? And blah, 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 on and on. And just keep writing, just keep writing those thoughts that come into the mind. She says that morning pages are referred to as the brain drain because that's one of the main functions of writing morning pages, to empty the mind of the ramblings and to quiet yourself. Quiet yourself down so you can get to the core of you. You can't do morning pages wrong. I love that because I love doing things that you can't do wrong. It removes all traces of pressure to perform and just leaves room for you just to be yourself. So these inner musings that we write down are not intended to be art or even necessarily be writing. They're just intended to be morning pages. And everyone can write morning pages. Even people that don't identify themselves as being a writer. There's a place for you in morning pages. The process and the writing's meant to be simple. You just move your hand across the page and write down whatever comes into your mind. There's no judgment or assessment involved in the process. And sometimes things that come out are weird or silly or serious or make no sense at all whatsoever. The morning pages are not about sounding smart, even though sometimes the content is smart. This writing is for no one but you. So don't share your morning pages with anyone. Julia suggests that we don't even read the pages ourselves until after about two months of morning page writing. Just write three pages and let them be. And then the next day, write three more pages and let them be. And the next day, three more pages and don't look back in your book. Always remember that your censor's negative opinions are not the truth. This does take practice. But when we do our morning pages, as soon as we get out of bed, we can circumvent that censor. The censor's opinions don't count. So just let it rattle on, and you know it will, and just keep your hand moving, and just keep writing, and just keep writing. It's all the petty stuff that we write about in the morning pages that is the wedge between ourselves and the full expression of our creativity. So in this way, writing morning pages can perform a similar function to having a meditation practice or a yoga practice in that writing the morning pages gives you an opportunity to let go of the wild meanderings of the conscious mind and allow things to come forth from the subconscious and return yourself to a place of calm. And in turn, what will happen is you'll open up into the wellspring of your own creativity. And then another type of writing is the spiritual autobiography. Creating your own spiritual autobiography is a way of increasing your awareness of your own spiritual journey. Its beginnings, its influences, the changes in the current direction. So let's just consider these two quotations. The spiritual path represents the process of becoming, whereby the soul remembers itself 
and the self discovers its true identity as spirit. Every spiritual tradition offers a map for the seeker. Each tradition has its own metaphorical depiction of a journey of the soul from darkness to enlightenment or from ignorance to knowledge. And that's a quote by Susan Alpert, who is an author. Here's another quote from Jesuit brother Charles J. Jackson, and he says, a spiritual autobiography focuses less on the people, events, and experiences of a person's life, and more on what these people, events, and experiences meant for him or her, and how they formed him or her, or shaped the course of his life. It allows the writer to communicate who she or he is as a person, and to communicate what is important to their life. So in the early 90s, I attended a spiritual autobiography class, and essentially the idea of the program was to chronicle your spiritual journey through writing stories about experiences in your life that impacted you in a way that were life-altering. And the instructor had us draw a picture of our room from childhood, that was our first exercise. And then we wrote a story from childhood. We could pick any time frame that we wanted up until the age of 10. And then we wrote a story about our adolescence. And another theme was about our role in our family. And these were the initial suggestions which Maybe these exercises help to kind of prime the pump and get us writing in the right direction. Now, the stories that I wrote for that class were some of the most important stories about my life prior to my adulthood. And it was the perfect way to express difficult experiences. The writing came out raw and innocent. It was direct and it was clear. And as the stories unwound from inside of me, there was a lot of emotional releasing. And after that, always came a new perspective. So I was able to place the stories into the context of my life in a new way and see the blessings that these difficult experiences brought to me. I wrote about many childhood and adolescent experiences that lived in a troubled place within me. I wrote all of these stories from the bathtub and I wiped the tears off my pages as I continued to write all the wrong out of me. I wrote the pain out of me and cried deep tears of sorrow and loss. And then I also cried deep tears of freedom and joy from what was released in me from finally writing these stories. You're writing stories for your spiritual autobiography is a great way to be matter of a be matter of fact and explicit about the experiences that you've had without being concerned about what someone might think about your stories or what someone might think about you. For me, the whole experience turned out to be very a very potent recovery of the self. A way of claiming the stories of my childhood and claiming the parts that these events played in my spiritual journey. So it's a real recovery of the self to claim the stories from childhood and then claim 
claim the potency of these experiences and how they shaped my life and how they played a potent part in my journey. That's the experience then of the spiritual autobiography. And I'd actually like to read you a piece here just as an example. It's called Grade Two. As I remember Grade Two, I recall this to have been a most awkward year of years of my life. A huge wake-up call to harsh realities outside of myself and many difficult and significant realizations came to me in my seventh year. The schoolyard was a place of many harsh awakenings. For reasons I barely understand, the boys fought with the girls. This happened for what seemed to be no reason other than the banding together of like genders and lashing out towards those that are different, which happens entirely too often. For the first time, I found a fighting spirit inside of me. Naturally, I rushed to the defense of the girls that were being harassed, responding to the injustice, as many of the girls were ill-equipped to stand up to the behavior that was being forced upon them. In this schoolyard of hard knocks, I was introduced to the battle between the sexes. At that time, living in Toronto, I went to a school with a large percentage of Jewish students, including myself and my six siblings. Regularly, when it was time to read the New Testament and receive Christian instruction, the Jewish students would gather in the auditorium to study the Old Testament. It's interesting to note that the Jewish people left the room while the Christians recited the Lord's Prayer, which is based on Jewish prayers and teachings. I've often wondered what might be different if people acknowledged that the Lord's Prayer was a compilation of Jewish prayers. But in an instant, I was faced with religious segregation. It was at the tongue of those same savage boys who slandered the girls in the schoolyard those same young boys flip insults towards my Judaic roots. I was on a slippery slope, and one by one the world that I felt to be open, loving, and beautiful turned, and the walls of my reality closed in on the very life that I so proudly believed in. Now, through the innocence of a childhood game in the schoolyard, the notion of boundaries and borders came into my consciousness. Hearing from my classmates that world politics dictated that people couldn't travel freely around the world shocked me. I was stunned to learn that others had a different view of the world that I held as open and friendly. I defended my inner feelings of God's heaven on earth only to be laughed at for holding such an idealistic point of view. These shattered ideals were replaced with a new defiance for anything and everything that didn't support and reflect the image of God that spoke to me so strongly. Then the beginning of a long cycle of bad report cards clouded my vision even further. In the comments section, the words read, Leia bullies the children. I was quite insulted that no one asked me why I was fighting that nobody knew what was really going on inside of me and all the challenges I was having in that schoolyard. My parents were shocked to hear of my aggressive tendencies at school. Such behavior was so out of character for a daughter that they knew was shy and obedient. I learned to hate my grade two teacher. 
And these feelings were further fueled as one of my younger sisters expressed adoration for the same teacher with equal passion. It was customary for the principal to administer the strap to the students who he felt needed discipline for behavior that was unacceptable. On one occasion, I experienced this outrageous attempt at discipline. One day, just after lunch, I had a surge of energy that would not stop. I needed an outlet. Nigel, an unsuspecting classmate, and I were caught in the act of forcefully pressing our big grade two pencils on our desks in perfect circular motion. Pent up rage was harmoniously scribbled out of me. Needless to say, the principal was not pleased to see me standing in front of him, especially since he was an acquaintance of my parents. However, he was forced to administer the same punishment for the same crime. Nigel cried from the time we got caught until long after we were back in the classroom. The strap was rust-colored, made with a thick rubbery substance. It looked like a cow's tongue. Oh, how it did sting as it landed swift and sharp on my upturned palms. I didn't dare cry out or make a sound, especially since Nigel was so broken up and, admittedly, the whole escapade was my idea. I knew it was important to not succumb to this brutal attempt at control and dominion over a child. I spent too much of my grade two years sitting on the lost and found bench inside the office. When someone I knew walked by, I would promptly get up and pretend I was looking for something in the lost and found. It was totally embarrassing and useless. Grade two was the worst year of my schooling. Grade five and grade nine were on a close, very close second and third. So that was one of the stories that I uh, wrote, actually the one of the first ones when we had to write about uh, a story prior to the age of 10. But as I said, this spiritual autobiography program was very, very potent for me. And the last thing I want to leave you with here is something that I actually heard on uh, television the other day. Um, Oprah talks about a gratitude journal. And uh, each night it's about writing five things that you're grateful for. So if you want to start attracting positive things into your life, show your gratitude, appreciation and love for the people and things around you. Look with new eyes and a new mind and a new heart at your life and cultivate a daily practice of gratitude. You know, fear and anger are two things that stop us. But gratitude can be an antidote for fear and anger. Gratitude opens the door to abundance and has the greatest capacity to change your life. Having and expressing gratitude changes your state of well-being. So if you only said one prayer for your whole life, thank you would be enough. If you're thankful for what you have, then you'll always have more. So by acknowledging what you're grateful for, you'll be deliberately attracting positive energy into your life and into the circumstances of the lives of those around you. You will become a magnet for positive energy and positive action into the world. So what is a gratitude journal? It's a book where you write a list of things for which you are grateful for. Every night before you go to bed, take the time to write down a list of five things. Sometimes those five things will come into your mind easily and flow out of you effortlessly onto the paper. And sometimes you might struggle to come up with even two things. 
So for those times when it feels challenging, focus on the more immediate and essential things in your life that you're grateful for, you know, like your home and a cozy place to sleep and good food and running water. Whatever you're feeling, take the time to write down five things every night and notice that sometimes, you, you know, your list may be the same from one night to the next, which is fine. So one of the benefits really of writing a gratitude journal every night, it's like turning a, on a switch of positive thinking and action that helps you focus on things that you're grateful for to record in your journal. It changes your focus, which changes your vibration, which changes what you actually see in the world. It slows your thinking down and slows your experience down. And from this slower pace, you can notice things that you maybe were missing before, things like the birds or the way that the sun illumines the trees or the sound of children playing. You naturally take the time to appreciate the people and the beauty around you as you're gathering moments of gratitude to share in your gratitude journal. So in essence, you really you become a gratitude magnet. We really talked about a lot of things today. We talked about writing practice and some essentials for that through A Wild Mind by Natalie Goldberg. And then if you can talk, you can write by Joel Saltzman, and he suggested different exercises that we can use to get ideas for writing projects. And Julia Cameron, author of The Artist's Way, she gives us the experience of doing morning pages and really being able to empty the sensor uh, that's always telling us what we should or shouldn't be doing or saying or writing. And then the experiences of the spiritual autobiography to have an opportunity to write out the stories from your life that may be, may be holding you holding you back from really feeling free to move forward with things and forward in areas that are important to you. And then the gratitude journal. How great is that? To take time every day at night. It reminds me of an old practice we often hear about women, you know, counting their blessings. I think it's the same kind of an idea, except in this case, um, it is the experience of actually writing these things down in a journal, in the gratitude, gratitude journal. So my attempt was to give you lots of options and ideas and things to either get you started in a writing practice, either just for therapeutic benefit, for pleasure, for a way of getting things out of yourself, or even for a way of exploring and discovering who you are as a writer. And um, this has been really a great subject to talk about. Writing is a great thing that I've done my whole life. And just as a closing, I'm going to leave you with a very short poem. The Precious Self. Play and pray every day. This will keep you healthy. Bring peace to your table and always give thanks. Live in harmony with creation and be kind to Mother Earth. Honor yourself. So I thank you for joining, joining us today at Come Back to Your Senses Radio. This is your ever grateful host, Leah Brenda Smith, and I encourage you to write and just keep your hand moving and write for pleasure, write for pain, write for the joy of writing, write to discover who you are in your deepest self. 
right for relaxation and enjoyment. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll join the conversation next week. Bye for now. We hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week.